real original. <laughs> Bro, it's crazy. Like, the kid loves her some Taylor Swift. That's, yeah, that's, a that's the only time I can get my girls to pay attention. <laughs> I was going to say, it's, better, it's, the, <laughs> it's the only way I can get that kid to watch football with me. So, at this point, I'm like, yeah, let's go. Yep. So, she'll she'll watch the Super Bowl now because, you know, Taylor Swift may be there. Although, there's this great episode of West Wing where it kind of tries to explain the time difference between Japan and uh, America and how long it'll take you to get back. You should look that up. We should keep that as the intro just to, like, really get people angry. Yeah. Why aren't you talking about basketball? <laughs> <laughs> well, like that one dude who was always on our case. Can't believe y'all still doing this. <laughs> yep. We're just here to let you down one more time. Welcome, everyone, to the CavsCorner.com podcast. CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin State's in the west end of Richmond, where it is Thursday, February the 1st. The stretch run, I read on a website today, or I guess, did I read it today, this morning, last night? Anyway, I read it at some point that said the stretch run is beginning, and... It was a great story where they like broke down all of Virginia's opponents. From you guys should check out that website. Anyway, we are going to talk about said stretch run. The Cavaliers on a five game winning streak. They extended the home winning streak to twenty two games, and uh, things are sort of I don't know maybe falling into place a little bit. Uh, we will talk about that as well as a weekend matchup with Clemson down in Little John. Before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. First in Fishersville, board moderator du jour himself, David Spencer, on the show. How's it going, my friend? Hey, it's going well. We're near spring sports season, so busy time for me. Um, between that and caping up for Andrew Rohde on Twitter, I've been pretty occupied. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter? Yeah, were you like going at individual people? Because I don't think I saw. No, no, just in a conversation. Oh, okay. Because I was like, I, I didn't, I didn't see anything, and I was like, oh well, maybe, maybe there's like replies, and I'm just not. Yeah, well, it, it was replies. Yeah, I was replying to comments. Also on this year program. Uh, Editor-in-Chief Justin Ferber in Charlottesville is also here. Uh, how's it going, my dude? Pretty good. Um, I guess if I ever get in a fight, I'll just have Dave come in and cape up for me. Um, he wouldn't do that for you. I, you didn't score any touchdowns. I guess I got to earn it, though. I mean, like, he'll, he's in fairness, Ferber's wrong. Um, at Justin <laughs> underscore Ferber on Twitter. Where I'm in, wrong often. In fairness, Ferber's wrong is an incredible possibility for a, uh, an early title, if ever there was one. Um, Cavs Corner also on Twitter Cavs underscore Corner Great place for the in-game updates The content items And the occasional Woody banter um, Alright so last night uh, I mean listen I, I, I said before the game Like this was like An absolute must win And I don't typically get Like super like Sithy like that Like everything's in absolutes But like It, it was just so Not It would just have not been good Alright If Virginia loses that game The Cavaliers I think what Led by as many as If the mouse doesn't betray me here. Cavaliers led by as many as 16, won by 12, 65, 53. They shot 45% from the field, 52% from three. They were 13 of 25, most threes they've hit all season long. It was a very, I mean, we've talked about this amongst ourselves, and so obviously we'll bring this to the podcast. Um, just a bizarre game in a variety of different ways, right? Um, Notre Dame was 50% from the three, nine of 18. Um they controlled the glass 28-25. UVA had 10 turnovers to Notre Dame's 18. Cavaliers had 20 points off of them. Irish had 13. And yet, Reese Beekman scores 21 points. He's four of seven from three and also has five turnovers, which, I mean, you might go like almost a calendar month without him normally turning it over that many times. And he had like three turnovers in like the first three possessions or so of the second half, right? It was just very weird in a variety of ways but I mean at the end of the day they got the win I wouldn't I mean I don't think it ever really felt like it was going to get close there were a couple of moments when it felt like it could get off the rails and UVA made a play and then that was that um I don't think I don't think um 
I don't think Notre Dame ever got it to single digits in the second half. I mean, this was this was pretty. I think they pretty did. Thorough. They got it down to did eight. They? Got it down to eight. Okay, but they never got it down to like more than two, two, possession, possess- yeah. two possessions. Two possessions. Right? More than two possessions. Yeah. Uh, or I'm sorry, fewer than three possessions yeah. is what I was trying to say. Um, I just thought that like overall, this was the the kind of game that UVA needed, which was, hey, look, we're the better team. We know it. We're going to play really well in a variety of spots. You know, we're going to recover from the spots when we don't play very well. Um, and we're just going to basically out better you, if that makes any sense. I mean, what's funny is that like that Notre Dame team's actually not like totally devoid of talent. The Burton kid is so good. Um, the fact that he had 17 on six of 10 shooting, um, four assists in 33 minutes. I mean, I thought he was very impressive. There were certainly some times when, when Reese got the better of him, but he did some times when he got the better of Reese too. Um, the Shrewsbury kids probably got a pretty bright future. Uh, four of eight from three, score 16 points for him. The problem is that they just got no help otherwise, right? Next, you know, highest scorer was the Roper kid, and he had five. So, I mean, it's not real good when your third leading scorer had five points, unless one of your dudes went for 40. Um, but overall, I just thought that Virginia looked the part last night. Um, and certainly to keep the momentum going and stuff, it was very good. Um, certainly, like we talked about, you couldn't couldn't live with a loss. Ferber, as you look back on last night, what really stands out to you about that game? Is it just as simply as, as, as you know, the fact that they were they handled business and you know it never really uh, got too close? Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly like not to um, you know diminish the win or anything like that, but and Dave kind of hit on this last night when we were talking, but like it's kind of like the weirdest game of the year. <laughs> um, just the stats just don't make any sense. Normally, if you would see three point numbers like we saw from both teams, because what they they were like nine for eighteen, right? Yeah, right. Um, like normally that game would be in like the mid to high seventies, <laughs> right? Um, and it was like that's where all the points came from last night. There were very few free throws, um, not a lot of made twos. It just kind of was like the flow of the game, um, right? And that's good. I mean, it's when they they knock down those shots, um you know, it's great. And and I didn't feel like they were forcing anything. Um, and it's easier to feel that way when they're going in too. but, you know, Groves obviously had a huge game. Um, and Notre Dame after the game, uh, Micah Shrewsbury kind of like, uh, explained, you know, how difficult that makes it. Um, you know, when you're so focused on McNeely and other guys, you have to kind of let, let's let them beat you somehow. And, right. um, Groves kind of was the guy that took advantage of that. And, he even said after the game that he feels a lot more comfortable playing at the four where he's not having to deal with ball screens all the time and stuff like right. that. So I think it fits better. Um, it's another good win. I mean, it's it's good that they avenged the loss that they had. Um, and I'm not complaining at all, but it would have been nice to see them win by more maybe. Um, right, fair. But, but I mean, like, they, they handled their business. I mean, like, I know that it, you know, Tony mentioned this after the game. They got, they got it down to, like, eight or seven or whatever it was, but it never really felt to me like it was teetering. Um, they very quickly got it back up to 15 or 14, 15, whatever it was. Um, so, I mean, like this is the kind of game that we've seen many, many times in recent years where it's like the team they play is a team they're expected to beat and they kind of do it without a lot of, um, like fanfare. It just kind of, they kind of just go through the motions and you could kind of feel it in the crowd too. It was kind of like a sleepy crowd, um, and it just felt like they were just handling their business, which is what you would expect them to do against a team like Notre Dame. Yeah. Dave, I feel like your point about the bizarre nature of the game. I mean, I, in some ways it's it's kind of like become the last 2 weeks, right? Because last week Virginia out rebounds NC State by 20, right? Um 22 to yeah. be precise. And that um, game was like the opposite of this game. Nobody it was, can make right. It so like the, between the two of these games is just odd. But it was good I think to Ferber's point about Groves like it's just another example. We've talked a lot in recent weeks about what, you know, first it was like, hey, guys need to fit in their roles. And now then it was like, hey, guys are starting to fit in their roles. And this is another example, right? Minor does what you need him to do. He plays 28 minutes. He sort of bangs around, um, made a few plays, six boards. Not a not a big day. Dunn doesn't score, right? He goes 0 for 1 from the – he only took one shot in the whole game, right? Which is nuts if you think about – he played 27 minutes. He only took one shot. Um, but I mean, you know, McNeely's, uh, three of five from three Beekman's four of seven Rose is six of eight. That's the game. Right. And look, 
I don't think they're going to do this all the time, Dave, but like it's good to see them do it. Uh, it shows that they're there. And, and, and like we said, you know, roles seem to be um, sort of defining themselves and guys seem more comfortable in them. What are, what are some of your takeaways from last night? And I guess to some extent, too, we, we should mention that they, they also beat the brakes off of Louisville uh, on yeah. Saturday. We haven't, we haven't uh, commenced the show since. Virginia led by as many as 30 in that one. I mean, that thing was over basically before it got started. Um, which again was kind of that was old school Virginia too, like just beating the crap out of somebody right out of the gate. Louisville scored thirteen whole points in the first half. But anyway, um, what are some of your takeaways either from last night or from yeah. last night and Saturday? I mean, they're very similar to last week's podcast. Um, Jordan Miner being, uh, you know, being productive and playing the five well has really unlocked a lot of combinations for this team that they couldn't use before mm-hmm. um you know last night they kind of went to that three big lineup which you, which know, you had been saying kept, you wanted to see yeah notre dame was switching a lot one to four um when you put three bigs out there they had to bring another big on the floor it made it a little tougher for them but yeah again, again that goes back to minor being able to to be on the floor and buchanan as well um just gives the team more options because if there's one thing I, you know i think the team's improved they're still trying to figure out what to do with that three spot because you know roadie's giving them a lot from a ball handling and assist perspective but he's not shooting that well um you know murray gives you a little bit of everything but he's not great at anything no no disrespect to him but you know he's he's kind of a, a hole plugger and then you know bond and gertrude haven't played much lately so you know if you can play done at the three and grows wants to hit nine out of 12 threes in two games, then you, you do that right <laughs> until, until it's breaking. Yeah. But um, I mean, if anything, the, these last two games are just continuation of the improvement we've seen the last five um, against teams that let's be honest, are not as strong as the ones coming up and ones you couldn't afford to lose. And they didn't. Um, now they got to hope that momentum carries them into this weekend. Right. I feel like, the idea that Dunn, I mean, I, I understand everything you're saying. I don't disagree. My, the flip side of that is Dunn, at the, it's just very odd to think that somebody who's playing the three takes one shot in the whole game, right? And he played primarily, you know, that was where he was primarily most of the game. Um, it's just very odd, right? Because normally your three guy is one of your most productive dudes, right? He's usually either your leading shooter um, your slasher, your score, something like that, right? So the idea that your dude who plays most of the minutes of the three takes one shot, I don't know. I mean, look, if if they hit 13 threes a game, they're going to be fine. I don't know what the shield yeah. says about 13 threes a game. Um, it's a positive. But, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's not too bad. Um, but I feel like they're not going to do that often enough for Dunn to just be able to not – shoot i mean he's got he didn't even not like he didn't take a shot he just tipped he missed the tip back right that's fair Um, yeah he didn't like set up for a shot i mean it was yeah it was but in many ways the way notre dame was playing that game i went back and watched it uh last night after the game because why not um we had we made five layups or dunks every other shot was a a long jump shot or a three yeah whereas louisville i think we probably had 20 layups and dunks um you know short shots and 10 of those were by ryan dunn um, I think he might have made a three or something at, at Louisville, but you know, he had 19 points, wasn't it, against Louisville? So yeah. I don't, Which I just I think it's the way Notre high, Dame. Right? Yeah, I think Notre Dame was just trying to make us shoot the three, um, and you know, it worked out for Virginia. They made them. Yeah, I feel like as they go forward, clearly, you know, we've talked about sort of how minor makes Buchanan feel more comfortable, right, and. Clearly in this game, and I think Grove said as much after the game, you know, like what his his role is on this team is to is to get the ball in the air, right? Let it fly. And he's fine doing that. Um, the only two I mean, I guess we could say to some extent Rody has kind of fit into his role, which is essentially like he's a big body um guard defender and he does give him a lot on that end, even though sometimes I think it doesn't always show up the way you would expect guys in that spot to show up in Virginia's past, if that makes any sense, right? Like he his stats are not gaudy, right? But he's usually in a place where he needs to be. And um, you know, there have definitely been times, I'm not trying to sugarcoat this, there have definitely been times where he's gotten cooked a little bit. But I think that 
you know, he seems closer to where he wants to be or where he needs to be. Um, offensively, I think you've got to figure out what Dunn can do. And and to me, look, again, when you're hitting 13 threes, it doesn't matter. But when you're not hitting 13 threes, which is most UVA games, you need him to be more productive. Um you need him to to slash. You need him to get to the club to, to the cup. You need him to to be able to score in ways that are, you know, kind of in his wheelhouse. And I am I got to be honest. I can come away from this game like like freaking out because why would you? But I did come away from the game thinking like, man, that's great and all, but I don't want to chase that sort of fool's goal because I don't think they're going to be hitting 12, 13 threes every night. Now, I will say, Groves is in a hell of a place right now. I mean, I feel like he has really settled in. Um, and, you know, if he's if he's going to do anything remotely close to this, maximize his minutes, um, come through the way he, he did, you know, things will change for them. Um, you know, right now he's uh, actually shooting a better percentage from three than McNeely is. Groves is at 48.4. And McNeely's at 48.1, um, which is kind of astonishing if you think about it, sort of the, the gap between them um, not that long ago. Now, in fairness, McNeely's volume is so much higher. He's at 52 of uh, 108, while Groves is 30 of 62. But still, I mean, like, that, that kind of improvement is, is absolutely worth talking about and worth um, tracking as we go forward. They go down to Little John this weekend, and he hits three, four of them. You know, you're kind of feeling, I think, pretty good about what you've seen of late. Um, I did think that one thing that I that Ferber that is a little bit interesting about this team, and maybe it's the the fact that Kihei sort of shut this down for so long, but it does feel like smaller, quicker guards can give them even more trouble than what I feel like is usual. And what I mean by that is, you know, inevitably, if you make it to the NCAA tournament, you're, you play, you end up playing some team and they got some little point guard and he's running all over the place. The Burton kid, I think, is extremely talented. So I don't want to make this sound like I'm just I'm saying any smaller point guard can give them fits. But it certainly felt like to me in watching Burton last night that there were times when, you know, if if they if they could get the right um, if they could get the right spacing, if Notre Dame could get the right spacing, he was going to get to the rim. The question was just whether he was going to make the shot or not. Are you concerned at all about, or do I guess let me rephrase that question? Do you have concerns about where UVA is defensively right now? Uh, not not like uh, super alarmed at this point. Um, you know, I thought like during the losing, not it wasn't even really a losing streak, but their less than stellar play earlier in January into December. You know, there were definitely some games that got away from them. From a you know, other teams could shoot wherever they wanted and get what they wanted. And that was when things were really going poorly. Um, I feel like the defense has tightened up some in recent weeks and um, we're going to find out, you know, soon if that the winning streak that they're on is, is a byproduct of their um, improvements or if it's a byproduct of who they've been playing um, and the locations and all that. So I think it's somewhere in between the two. Um, but ultimately, yeah, I mean, like quick guards are going to get points. Like uh, UVA is kind of the outlier in that regard, where you know they sometimes will be able to cut those guys off. But I mean, that's how teams score a lot of their points um, in college basketball. So I imagine that will continue. Um, Reese Reese usually does well when he needs to. He gets stops when he needs to. Um, I, we've talked about the limitations of some of the other guards defending. So um, I think that'll continue to kind of pop up in spots, but I mean, I didn't really feel like Notre Dame like got what they wanted last night. They just made a bunch of threes. Dave, let's, I want you to kind of tackle the same question. Are you, do you have any concerns about where UVA is defensively right now? No, I mean, I think they kind of are what they are, right? Like, I mean, the shield we talked about last week, you know, to, you know, 50% of the shield is steals and blocks. Like they need to get 11 of those in some form um, to win. And that's because this team isn't, as elite as like you know the 2020 team defensively um they they've got some you know Reese Beekman's good you know a great defender on the ball off the ball um Ryan Dunn you know a good on the ball defender a great help defender but everyone else is just kind of you know iMac Rody Murray um whoever's playing you know that that wing you know the two and the three they're 
they're not superb defenders. Um, so teams are going to get shot. So with this team can't, when they're not able to stop a possession through steal or block, um, the other team's going to score a lot. And you know, I think the other thing that's helped the defense recently is the improved, you know, the rebounding improvement. You're not giving teams second chances as much as you were early in the season, but um, I mean, the more they play together, the better they'll get, but I don't think this team will ever be elite defensively. They're going to have to create extra possessions. Homefield Apparel is back with brand new options for the Wahoos and so much more. With college basketball now in full swing, there has never been a better time to gear up with officially licensed apparel from Homefield. First-time customers can get 15% off their first order using the code CAVS23 at checkout. Homefield has comfortable, thoughtful selections, not just for UVA, but for more than 180 schools across the country. So no matter who you pull for, there's something for you. Their plan is simple. Dig through the archives and the history of the schools to find unique logos, mascots, traditions, and moments to make thoughtful designs for your favorite school. I love what they've done with the various UVA logos, and I'm really excited about what they're going to do in the future. Their products are printed on high-quality garments with extreme comfort in mind. You're not going to find anything better out there. So don't miss the hottest styles and the most sought-after apparel. Shop at Homefield today and wear one for the team. Homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code CAVS23 for 15% off your first order. Thanks to Homefield for their support of this show and all of CAVSCorner.com. All right, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Clemson. Um, it's a it's an interesting matchup because if you think about Clemson and sort of where the Tigers sort of are right now, they're basically a top thirty Ken, Ken Palm team that is four and five in its league. Um, earlier in the season, I think they were at what nine and zero before they lost. Um, they have some really nice wins. They beat Alabama. They've uh, beaten TCU, which are both top 25 teams. Um, they have lost to Carolina. They've lost to Duke, but they've also lost to Memphis, which, you know, UVA knows how that is. But there are weird losses, right? There's a Georgia Tech loss, which it seems like all the good teams lose to Georgia Tech. Um, they lost to Miami. They've lost Virginia Tech. Um it's just a it's 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 a weird year for Brownell in the sense that like typically like they're a little unsteady in the non-conference and then they sort of get right in the ACC and then they lose to UVA because that's just kind of where they go. Uh, right now, at least they're twenty first offensively in terms of efficiency nationally, and then seventy first of defense, which is again is very unclemson. Like usually, it's the other way around. Um, they. I don't know. It's a, it's a, they're an interesting team. They got talent. They got PJ Hall, which probably, you know, he's clearly an all ACC guy. Um, they stole Joe Girard from Syracuse. Uh, the Hunter kid seems like he's kind of, um, really stepped into his own a little bit. Um, Shefflin has been a real glue guy for them and done a lot of the little things. Dave, overall, what are your, um, not necessarily just about the matchup with UVA, but in general, your thoughts on Clemson. I feel like they're a hard team for me to figure out. Like, I'm not really sure what I'm going to get from them night in and night out. Yeah, I mean, I think they're, you know, when they're on, they're really good. And they've, like most teams in the ACC this year, have had had bad moments. Um, kind of confusing what's happened in conference play because um, they were, like you said, they were juggernaut out of the out of the gate, but have kind of slowed down. Um Look, they're definitely not. This isn't Duke. We're going to play. This is a beatable team. But when they play play well, like they kind of expose a lot of what Virginia has struggled with. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a, a tough matchup for Minor. The guards are going to have to defend well, and you know, it, it's going to be a should be a pretty, you know, um, probably the best atmosphere that we played against on the road recently, at least. Um, you know, we're not going to Louisville here, so. It's going to be a, a good, a good task, um, a good test for the team. I, I don't know. Um, I mean, Kim Palm seems gives us like a thirty percent chance to win or something. Um, I'm guessing Clemson's going to be favored by three, four, maybe even five in Vegas. So, yeah, yeah, it's a tough matchup. For I, I feel a like lot of profound the... analysis here. <laughs> no, it's okay. I feel like I expected the Clark kid who they got in the trade for fake PJ Hall. Um, I felt like he was going to be a bigger piece of things, and he just kind of hasn't. Um, but really, I mean, they ride with their guys. I mean, their 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 five really is sort of who they 
um, they play. Um, and I, in some ways, I think that's emblematic of where Brownell has been. Um, it's weird to think that, like, earlier in the season, I mean, they're blowing teams. I mean, like, 85 points against Boise State, which is basically a top 50 team, Kempom, right? They put 85 on the board against Alabama. They put basically 80 against Pittsburgh earlier in the year. And I don't know what happened to them, like, Christmas time, but, like, the thing really has fallen off the f- floor. If you had to attribute it to some fervor, what would you – what would you point to as to why they've struggled in the conference? Is it just a function of playing against teams that sort of, you know, know them better? I mean, what, where, where would you sort of point uh, in, in terms of trying to figure out what's gone wrong for them in conference play? You know, when I write these previews, I don't go through each individual box score, right? Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's what you did. <laughs> now, um, <laughs> yeah, they shot 29%. This Now, um, I honestly think. Well, I, mean, like, I just uh, the re- I mean to be to be clear, the reason I ask the question is because I feel like you guys watch a lot that's not just UVA, so it's not so much about like what what you pulling out for the preview, but like what you've seen from them. Like I felt like I have not watched them much. Yeah. Um, and when you look at the numbers, you're like, dude, what happened? Because they were one team one time, and then all of a sudden became this other team. Um, yeah, I'd say they've struggled to stop people. I mean, that's been the biggest thing. Um, I think a lot of their good defensive numbers are kind of I, I haven't looked at like the trends, but I feel like there are a lot a lot of that's from earlier in the season and their defense has sort of regressed a little. I mean, if you just look at the point totals alone, I mean yeah. seventy nine to, to uh Memphis, um ninety five to Miami. Ninety five to Miami, eighty seven to Virginia Tech, eighty you know, seventy eight in a win against Boston College. Yeah. That's so strange to me. They held Carolina at sixty-five, which we, Carolina's been pretty good. It's a very weird. It's a very weird sort of coming apart of the seams a little bit, you know. But I mean, like, also, I mean, you just look at the games. I'm looking at the Georgia Tech game. Like, they shoot three of twenty-one from three, um, in the loss ninety-three ninety loss. I mean, they scored ninety points, making three twenty-one from three, which is pretty remarkable. Yeah, um, that's true. But, you know, and, and Georgia Tech makes 15 threes in that game. So, I mean, I think they've been a little inconsistent. Um, I would say some of what we're seeing is is sort of them finding their level. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, they're four and five in the league right now. If I had to guess, and I haven't really, like, dug into their schedule, but I would imagine that they're probably going to end up somewhere around 12 and eight. If I had to guess, like I think they'll win more games in the back half than lose. And UVA, you have to remember, um, has played a lot of the bad teams that they're going to play, and some of these teams haven't. You know, like they still have Georgia Tech again, they still host Pitt again. You know, they they have some winnable games in here. Uh, they play Notre Dame again. Um, so I mean, they're they're gonna they're gonna win some games. I, I think they're. They've been a little inconsistent and and for all the way the Brownell plays, I mean, like you mentioned kind of like um, where they are metrics wise this year, it it sort of flops like flip flops a lot where it's like some years they're just like really, really hard to score on. And then other years you can score on them, but they might be able to score. And um, they they certainly play a a brand of basketball that's similar year to year. But um, I feel like what you get from them production wise does vary quite a bit. you know, but it's a game that I think like there's a reason that UVA's had more success against them than some other teams. Uh, mm-hmm. Part of that I think is like it, you know it's a styles make fights thing where it's like Clemson wants to kind of restrict spacing, um, and you know like that might hurt a team like Carolina that wants to be wide open and you know or a team that wants to shoot a ton of threes. But UVA kind of is you know their offense is sort of on tracks, you know, so like they can kind of play, I feel like the way that Clemson plays. Yeah. Um, and then from a pace perspective, they're comfortable, but, um, and they haven't lost in this building in 11 years. So, um, you know, I, I think that that alone kind of gives me a little bit more optimism than I might have if they were playing a team with similar metrics and track record, but it was like, NC State or something like that, just because mm-hmm. I feel like we kind of know what Clemson is. The problem is, I, I think the way that they can play inside out is going to present some problems, unless they're just not making shots. Yeah. The thing about Clemson that I've always thought is Brownell, I mean, historically in this matchup, the reason I feel like Virginia's won more often, that's because Virginia's better at being Virginia than Clemson is trying to be Virginia. Yeah. That's like, kind of what I meant with the spacing thing. It's like yeah. UVA can play that game just as well as they can. It, it feels often like 
you know, what Brownell really would like is to be able to do what UVA has done. Right. Um, but you know, this is a, you know, this is a matchup Virginia has dominated. Um, and yet there was a part of the season, real talk that I legitimately was worried about playing Clemson. Cause I was like, dude, they might, I mean that I felt like they were just so much better. Um, the matchup between Hall and Miner is going to be so interesting, but I feel like it's really Shefflin. When the two of them are on the court together, who who draws the Shefflin assignment? I guess it has to be done uh, unless you're going to try to do the big guard lineup and try to make the fact that – like Clemson has um, the Wiggins kid, right? And he plays – I mean, he kind of plays more of like a – I, mean, I guess he's technically 6'10", but he plays more of like a three almost. Um, even though he's not somebody who shoots a bunch of threes, he's a guy who who can step out and hit it. Um, I, I, it's just an interesting matchup from UVA's perspective simply because like the Hunter K can get down the lane on you. You know what Joe Girard brings to the table. He's going he's gonna to launch one from like Charleston, right? Um, but I think that the matchups inside – are today's point, you know, like PJ Hall is, is vastly improved in general, but you know, when you can play him and Shefflin together, I mean, Shefflin goes six, eight, two to put that in perspective. Dunn is like six, eight, but he's like two fifteen, Right. Um, and his athleticism will certainly help. I mean, Shefflin is not nearly the athlete he is, but Shefflin is really good at getting, not just, not just using his body, but being able to get the benefit of, um, like he's actually pretty quick off the floor um, for a dude who otherwise looks kind of plodding, right? Um, I'm not real comfortable with the matchup UVA has inside, which I think means that they got to hit threes. I mean, I feel like if they don't hit eight, nine of them, you know, this thing is going to be really um, sort of tough to handle. And we don't typically for basketball go through like a true sort of preview and give picks kind of thing. So I'm not going to try to make us do that here, but Dave, Give me your, um, let's call it your outlook uh, on how you think this thing plays out. I mean, it kind of sounds you know, sounds repetitive, but you know, Miner needs to be able to do his job against PJ Hall, and if you can, it has to play against him. He needs to, you know, play like we've seen the last few games, like we saw at the beginning of the year. Um, I think you've got to neutralize him and hopefully be able to do it without doubling the post, because. Um, I mean, Virginia's just better when they don't have to double. And, you know, I think the way you take advantage of their bigs is is to get Groves in um, and, and make them, you know, try to get switched off so they have to chase them out to the three-point line and you know, either gets open shots or he creates room for, for Dunn to slash or something else. Um, but, yeah, it's going to – like this is a game Dunn's got to be a factor on offense, I think. Um, he's probably going to get – matched up against the guy as you're talking about it against a guy much bigger than him so he's gonna have to play smart um stay clean but yeah i mean it probably comes down to you know the shield that, that tends to tell <laughs> tell the tell the story Dave's, dave is very big make, into the make shield some shots hit some threes steal the ball i mean that is you know it is it is sort of you know um indicative of of success in a variety of different ways yeah For, i mean but, it is kind of like it's kind of like bronco shield where it's like the team that scores more you know a certain amount of points and turns it over less wins it's like yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. that's but how it, it works a lot I of the time like, <laughs> <laughs> the thing i do like about it real talk is that like it does kind of it, it shines a light on like what is going right right yeah it sets the bar and you can kind of look at the game versus the bar and it's right. like how yeah, are yeah, they yeah. doing in the areas. Yeah. What What are your thoughts on this one? I've got I've got one. more. I mean, you have them. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> There's true. Like Twelve hundred words right in front of you. No. Um, <laughs> Would you just like me to read the preview for the next twenty five <laughs> minutes? Uh, that's all right. Uh, I mean, I think for one, I mean, we haven't really talked about this, but I wrote a thing for yesterday about just like where they stand tournament wise, like what they need to do, who they're playing, all that good stuff. This is a huge opportunity, and fans might not think that just because you're thinking, ah, it's Clemson. They're what fourteen and five, four and five in the league, whatever it is. Um, you know, that's a good win if you get it, but like whatever. But actually, you know, their metrics are quite good. Um, I think they're twenty eighth in the net, thirty um, second or something in Ken Palm. So I mean, like, it's a huge opportunity. Their third best win possible remaining. Now, you can get by if you lose it. It's not the end of the world. Um, 
but it's a big opportunity. It's just like, you know, it might not look like it on, you know, to people just looking through box scores, but um, it would help their metrics a lot if they won. And um, also would just be another quad one win. But yeah, I mean, uh, with all that said, I mean, like just from a, I, I have to pick the game kind of thing. I went with Clemson by a few points um, in my preview. Spoilers. Um, yeah. Um, but still check it out. There's a lot of good stuff in there. <laughs> now, um, I mean, honestly, like I, like I said in the thing, I, I, like UVA is at least making it harder for me to pick against them, right? Um, they're doing enough to where I, I feel like there's a path to victory. And honestly, if you had asked me, what was it, three weeks ago, whatever it was when we did our whole, you know, the manifesto pod, um, on like what's going on with the program and the team and all that stuff. Um, like I wouldn't have even considered picking them in this game, you know? Um, and then now I'm at a point where like, I mean, Dave mentioned like 30 something percent. I think that's about right. I mean, I think, um, Clemson is rightfully favored on their home court. Yeah. I think they're, they've done more this season than UVA has even with a worse conference record. Um, but you know, UVA could go down there and win it if they kind of like, hit on the things that have made them successful in the recent games. And and they probably have to have a really nice defensive game. And I think one of the keys is probably going to be Blake Buchanan. Um, they're just going to need him to play. You know, he doesn't have to like shut PJ hall down or anything, but he needs to like get a few stops when they need him to and make a few buckets when they need him to. And um, it could be a game where fouls are, are an issue. Yeah, so that's a good point. I was thinking yeah. of foul trouble too. That and um, just like minor can't do it all. Um, that's right. No, that's fair. So. Um, all right, last one, and we'll get we'll get out of here on this. Um, so before we get a chance to reconvene next week, Virginia will also have to tangle with Miami. They get they get finally they get the Saturday Monday um, situation. Um, it's Miami, a whiteout, folks. <laughs> I don't know like where that came from, but it is apparently they just so. decided it's it's, yeah. it's the most UVA thing ever. Let's just pick this random game. And make I it guess because it's an ESPN game, but like maybe sure. Um, Kim Palm right now has it a 68, 64 Virginia win Miami at 68 overall in Ken Palm. Currently um, you talk about trying to figure somebody out um, every minute. Every, every minute I watch Miami feels different than the last minute I watch Miami. I mean, and I mean, frankly, I don't know how people who who are fans of that team like I don't know how y'all like deal with it. Um, you know, Miami has had. I mean, if a, you can find a Miami basketball fan, you can. That's ask them, that's a very fair. Point. Might not be the easiest thing to do. They got blown out by Kentucky. Um, they were five and zero to start the season. Nice win against Georgia. Nice win against Kansas State. They'd also beaten UCF, which is you know a decent win or whatever. Um, they lose to Colorado by like thirty, um, which is wild. Um, they play a bunch of nobodies. They beat Clemson by 13 as aforementioned, right? Then they lose to wake and Louisville, Louisville by nine. They beat tech and then they lose to Florida state and Syracuse. And then they beat Notre Dame and Pittsburgh before they lost to NC state. Anyway, um, Ferber, let's start with you. Generally speaking, what are, what are you looking for in this matchup? Cause if you look at, at the numbers, right? Miami just looks like a team that has way too much talent to kind of just feel like you're going to roll the ball out and figure it out. Like you kind of have to lean on them a little bit and then they fold. If, if that makes any sense, they, they are crazy talented between uh pack and, and poplar and uh, they got the Cleveland kid from Florida state. That's a really talented roster yeah. to be 14 and seven, five and five in the league. Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of where I am with them. Like, um, they're the team that, and if you have these teams in football too, um, where it's like, I know that they're more talented than what they've done, but at a certain point you cross like the, the lexic the Rubicon or whatever. And it's like, um, you are what you are. You know what I mean? So it's like, right, eventually right. you have to show that you're not the team that you've been. Um, and they haven't done that yet. I mean, like you meant that Kentucky game, they were up big early in that game and then they just completely folded. Um, but my, where I am with Miami is I love their roster and I really like their coach, um, but they haven't shown me that they can put this together. And it's confusing because there's a lot of continuity. It's not like yeah, they have all new guys. Weird. Yeah. You yeah, lose for once. They, yeah. For once. Yeah. They don't have, which is, you know, in fairness is a, is a fairly big loss, but, but like Cleveland these, is a nice replacement. Yeah. I mean, I mean they've got all these pieces back. Plus, you know, it's not like they, I mean, they're typically one of the bigger portal teams in general. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, Amir and pack and pot, like they should be much better than they've been. Um, 
they just do, they don't have a, lot, a roster that should be losing three of five and um, five of what eight. Like, yeah, and it's like, not be a well, thing. I mean, honestly, like, I, you know, it's not, I'm not following their team closely enough to really like put my finger on what the issues are, but it almost feels like it's like a focus thing. Like, yeah, yeah. they, I mean, losing to Louisville at home by nine is bizarre. And then, you know, it's like the, the, you mentioned they beat Clemson. They really could have beaten Wake on the road. Florida State, when they lost to Florida State, was like, I mean, Florida State's kind of rounded a little bit into, you know, what are they, like six and two in the league? They're yeah. like the opposite of, um, I wrote this in the thing I wrote yesterday. They're like the opposite of Clemson, where it's like Clemson has good metrics, but like a bad uh, like a ACC record so far. Um, and it might fool people. Florida State's the opposite. They have like bad metrics. Um, and they're not very good overall, but like their ACC record's good. Um, and, you know, maybe one of those things will change. But yeah, Miami just feels like they're kind of all over the place. Um, they're in like every game, it feels like. Um, but, you know, some of them they pull out and some they don't. I mean, they don't have a. You know what? I was wrong about that. I thought they didn't have a game this weekend, but they have tech. They do. On they got to go tech on Saturday, right? Yeah, no, nah, it's no, at home. Sorry, they get they get it's, tech at home before they already they went to Blacksburg and they won there. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I think they're gonna. That's a dangerous game. I mean, obviously, I don't think UVA would overlook them, but like, they're talented enough to beat anybody. I feel like in the ACC, it's just what who you're gonna get on the night. And if UVA does what they do and it's at home, I feel pretty good about it. But it's certainly a game that I think will be kind of like that NC State game where it comes down to a few possessions at the end. Yeah. Also, you know, the one weird thing about when you get the, the Saturday Monday deal is like, I'm not saying necessarily that you, that you can't sort of uh, respin the wheels, so to speak, and get ready for somebody in a short amount of time um, or that you like need them to be the same. But like, think about preparing for tech and then preparing for UVA on a short, you know, on a short time frame. Like it just feels like those are very different animals. Um, in a variety of different ways. Um, well, we will see what Virginia does in, in Little John and then follow what the Cavaliers do Monday night uh, against uh, Miami to, um, you know, we'll be back on our normal sort of Wednesday kick next week, it looks like. Um, it's the first Wednesday without a game in forever, it feels, feels like. But, um, you know, after they get Miami. So many Wednesday games. So many Wednesday, Saturday deals where you're home and away. But they, they get back home. Or sorry, they're on the road next Saturday at uh, Florida State before they get back home on a Tuesday night, which I believe is their first Tuesday night game of 2024. Um, so yeah, it's a it's as Ferber explains in the in that piece he wrote for this morning, like it's a really important stretch run. That's why the, I think the Clemson game, I, I I don't think it really quote unquote hurts them to lose it, but it certainly helps them demonstrably if they win it because it's like what is that guy's name Kirby. The one that like when you eat, when he like eats somebody else, you know, he takes on all their powers, right? Like the great thing about metrics is like once you beat somebody, you get credit for all of the great things they did in a way, right? Um, you know, there is I, another I think, thing too. I mean, we're way too far out to talk about this like earnestly, but if UVA keeps winning games, they're going to put themselves in a position to be a potential auto bid. <laughs> like that's fair. You know, yeah. They finished like second in the league. <laughs> um, yeah. But and, a, I mean, and they like, keep beating teams that otherwise they would be sort of positioning themselves against for a bid, right? Um, which is yeah, see, know. that's the thing too, is like I'm looking at the resumes and stuff, and it's like it's good for UVA if Florida wins. They beat Kentucky last night, right? Good for UVA because it moves them up, which moves UVA up a little bit because they beat Florida. Right. But Florida's also process. a bubble team. Right. <laughs> so it's like Florida, you might be competing with Florida for like the last couple spots. Um so you want them to do good, but maybe not quite all. Or maybe like just do so good that they're just in the field, you know, and then yeah, you don't just, have to worry just, about Yeah, that's right. Win the SEC. Go ahead and do that. Mm -hmm. It's fine. But yeah, um, I mean, like th there's that and then there's the ACC thing where it's like the ACC, there isn't really like an ACC bubble right now um, because everybody's out. <laughs> so, you know, we'll see where it goes. But they've got a shot. I mean, on the one hand, it's like every game the rest of the way is is except for I would say Georgia Tech is a must win, but like the rest of the nine before that are like difficult games. They could win them. They could lose them. But the one, I mean, they kind of need that now. Like you can't, this UVA team doesn't need more gimmies 
on their resume. Yeah, they like, need some some quality wins. That's what they're because really like they've had so many of those, and it's like you're already at the point now where it's like, and also like there is the small chance downside of like losing another bad game, and it's like they really can't afford that either. That's yeah, that's very true. Well, we will uh, we'll see how it all pans out. I feel like if you're a Virginia fan, you're hoping for two. If you get one, you wanted to be Clemson. Um, but then again, at the same time, like Miami losing to Miami at home would would really hurt. Yeah, it's sort so. of like a, a there isn't really like a better option. I mean, Clemson winning both is the better option. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, you know, if you lose to Miami after you beat Clemson, it probably is like a wash. A wash. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. And then like oh, if you beat if you true. beat Miami after you lose to Clemson. um. See, the problem here, too, is that, like, this isn't just about the numbers. It's about the human beings that read the cheats. Right, they read the numbers, right. So, like, if you don't beat anybody on the road and your best win is Florida, that's not good. <laughs> like, yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, Clemson and Little John, um, I mean, that's that's obviously huge. Florida State, yeah, okay. Tech is not that big a deal. Boston College, obviously not the big deal. It's almost like if Tech they don't Tech is a quad beat, one, which is good because it's a road fair. game. But, um if they don't good for beat the Clemson, sheet, but it won't move the needle for the humans. Like, right. You know. If they don't beat Clemson, or or if they or if they were to beat Clemson and then lose to Miami, you feel like that Duke game on March the second is like not necessarily like make or break, but it's going to be huge. Like I think they wrong, need to find a way to beat Carolina or. Duke. I was going to say Carolina. Carolina at home is is the one that you're sort of circling. You're really hoping for, but you really could use like if they were to if they were to win Clemson. And Duke, away, I think they're a tournament team unless they've lost. You know what I'm saying? Like, those are the kind of things that really stand out, especially because – I think if they got two more quad one wins and they have four games left against definite quad one opponents and it's probably not going to get to five, um, at Clemson, at Tech, at Duke, and Carolina at home. Right. I think if they won two of those and then kind of took care of their business elsewhere and maybe had like a stupid loss somewhere um, or two – like that would probably be fine, but you yeah. know it's all relative too compared to what the teams around you are doing and all right. that good stuff. It's fair. I mean, they basically just need to go uh, six and four to finish the year in the ACC. If they do that, pretty good chance they're in the tournament. Um, you know, seven and three, then almost a guarantee. So you think if they if you, beat if they beat Clemson and then won all the other games, if they go thirteen to seven in the ACC, they're going to have to beat some good teams as long as you know they don't get blown out by a bad team in that six and four finish i think they're probably a sneak in they won't be a high seed by any means but they'll they should sneak in yeah kinda... i mean if you if you look at what they've done in the last five games they've beaten nobody i mean right. like just because the tech and nc state they're not bad wins but like they're not they don't move the needle because they were at home <laughs> but they so, also didn't lose to bad teams so like that right matters, exactly right? but that's the thing that's what i'm saying like they went five and oh against trash um yeah but they still moved up considerably Simply they because they're like winning another team losing. something in That's the fair. net and like yeah. 69th in Ken Palm. They're like 50 and Florida moved up Ken to Palm. a quad one and you know some other yeah. stuff happened. Well, here's they what's went, weird though: it went up like 15 spots in Ken Palm and like 15 spots in the net just by like beating the teams that they were supposed to beat. So imagine if you what happens when you start beating like Miami and Clemson and so on. If you can do that. So yeah. to Dave's point about the six up. and four, real quick, um, that six could legitimately be. Florida State, Pittsburgh, Wake, Tech, Boston College, and Georgia Tech. I don't know if that does it. I don't know if the if the one quote unquote good win is just Tech away. I don't know if that does it. Unless, you know, Tech puts some scraps together and, you know, is the team right behind UVA in the ACC standings. You know what I'm saying? So like, your your six and four would be like losses to like UNC, Duke, and then the, two. Right. Others. So the losses would be to Clemson, to to Duke, to Carolina, and to um uh, Miami. Right. I mean, so I think you probably get in. Still, I mean, it's going mean, to be tight. You, but you you're going to sweat you it. You might yeah, be able to play in game. Like, I just don't in. think if you're going to if you're going to have one win of this this ten against like a good quote unquote good team, I don't know if, if tech. I think if you're going to only have one good win, it's got to be you know it's got to be a chip bigger than fifty sixth. Right. It has to be the the Carolina or the Duke game. Um, maybe if it's I just feel in, like I feel like they need one of those two. And again, if they want every game but those two, then they're probably no that's fair no yeah they, if they went yeah but if they went if they went eight and two i feel like you're fine they're right? probably not even in the, on the bubble then you know yeah probably yeah you're field. a lock right? um but i mean like if let's say they go six and four or even seven and three and then you're looking at their team sheet right their record would be pretty good but i mean you would have 
like nothing to stand on from like a yeah. big win standpoint. I mean, you really have to hope all the people who are on the, <laughs> you on the bubble have lost. You know what I mean? You have be- your best wins right now are Florida, which is a, it's, again, it's not a bad win by any stretch. Right? They're like on the last four in, first four out line. Um, yeah. So that's cool. They were also missing. They're arguably their best player. Um, and then you beat Texas A&M at home and Texas A&M is very quickly moving down, um, to bubbles, like bubble status. And they were also missing one of their best players. <laughs> um, and it was at home. And then, uh, what was the other one? A Memphis was a loss. Now that one's not looking so good. <laughs> yeah, it's looking bad. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're like Texas the third best win right now. Right. And yeah, I mean, that's, and there's, again, you just beat the teams you play. It just, honestly, it just didn't, their non-conference schedule didn't work out as good as you would hope. Cause you would hope that like Memphis and A&M, even with, even if you lose to them, they're like 19 or 21 and it's like, fine. You know, it's like, that makes sense. But these teams have kind of fallen off and now right. it's like, it, and the it, other it wasn't good team their they fault, but it looks like they didn't they play anybody good. <laughs> like, yeah. And that, and what's funny is that when that Wisconsin game happened, right? Like it, at, at the time, it didn't, you know, it felt like, oh, man, they just could beat the crap beat out of about like a good team. Or excuse me, by a bad That's team. That's the best team they've played. That's easily the best team they played yeah. now. You know, you look back on it. But, well, the good thing about all this is that they play the games. So we will have, um, we'll have some more data to go on and plenty to discuss next week. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see um, how the Saturday-Monday deal works out for them. If you are somebody out there who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for getting us to listen. If you don't mind, look at someone Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, or wherever it is that you get your podcast. And if you're so inclined to give us a rating and review, we'd appreciate it. If somebody has not looked at the website yet, check us out at CavsCorner.com. Uh, we we mentioned the piece for Barote. Um, does a good job of sort of laying out all the particulars on the, the slate, so to speak, the rest of the way now that we're in February officially. Uh, lots of recruiting stuff on both the hoops and football side, so give us a look, CavsCorner.com. I want to thank everybody there for supporting the show. And, of course, I want to thank Dave and Ferber for being graciously. The time, as always, I very much appreciate all they do. So, for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. See you soon. Mm-hmm.